Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Go Call Your Sister. We are sorry for our late posting this week. Your girls have been busy. I've been getting back to California. Allie's moving, as we know, and we're just a little bit late this week, but it's okay. You know what? Actually, I'm going to blame daylight savings time. Well, what I don't understand is every year it's like, this is the last time we're doing it. This is the last year. We're not doing this anymore. I'm like, where is the disconnect? Like, who is the person that stands up and says, this is it. This is the final year. (laughs) Where are they? (laughs) In the next election, I will vote for whoever says they'll cancel daylight savings time. Like, I don't care who it is. Whoever gets up there and says it with their chest, I will cancel daylight savings time (laughs) for every state. You have my vote. That's all I need to know. I don't care what party. I know. And like at the debate the other night, they're talking about canceling TikTok and like banning it. I'm like, how about daylight savings time? Because that's something that we can... Daylight (laughs) savings time, please. That is something that we can all get on board with. Uh, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we're just (laughs) running a little bit late. I mean, it's just hard. Like, sorry, at 4 p.m. Why is it midnight? The other day, the sunset at 4.30, I was walking out from working and it was midnight. I was just like so shook. The funny thing about daylight savings time, though, is like every year it hits so hard. Like you think that we would just kind of get it in our head that like this is happening, but it hits so hard every year consistently. I'm an early riser. I typically wake up, you know, 6 a.m. I have been waking up at 4 freaking a.m. every morning and I'm so fucking tired. And I decided last night, okay, if you've been listening to the show, you know I deal with TMJ, jaw pain. And it's been really bad. And I think it's just like the stress of like launching wildflower, moving, like all that combined. And so I decided to take a muscle relaxer. And let me tell you what, (laughs) do not take a muscle relaxer when you're already tired. Because today, (laughs) I feel like I am just crawling around, like not even human. No. This is full caffeine. I never drink full caffeine. (laughs) First of all, I heard that like only hot girls have TMJ. So congratulations. (laughs) Second, yeah, it's just like it's just doing nothing for anyone. Like literally, last night I want to go to bed at seven, and we have to wake up at five. <laughs> what is that? It's so bad. It's so horrible. And and then on third, on the topic of muscle relaxers, I remember when mom and dad gave them to me when I had COVID so badly. When I was like the fifth person in the United States to have COVID, and I was literally like a vegetable for like a week. <laughs> I was like, crying. I was like, why can't I move? Today, today it feels like I'm literally walking around and like sinking. What do you call that? Oh, quicksand. Like I'm walking around in quicksand all day, like being dragged into the floor. <laughs> Last night, I took 100 milligrams of CBD at like eight because I was like, oh, well, if it's, no. it's, if it's already midnight, I might as well go to bed. And I literally, this is what I did. I got home from work yesterday. I took a bath, put on my pajamas, sat on the couch and knitted a new blanket and watched Friends. All before like 6.30 p.m. Because it felt so late. Like I ate dinner at literally five because I was like, my body's hungry. I do not fuck around with CBD or weed gummies or any of that because I will be like comatose for several days. Yeah. One thing about both of Allie and I is that we do not smoke marijuana. Um, I've never been a smoker in my life, even living in California, like it just, it couldn't be me. Like, I don't want to be tired, but I do like CBD because it takes me a while to like let my mind rest. And I feel like that's like a good helper. But every time I take it the next morning, I'm like, why did I do that? Because like, I feel sluggish. Yeah. I did try a CBD bath bomb and let me tell you, those are not cheap. 
And I don't think it worked. I feel like some of them are kind of scammy. Yeah, I've been to dispensaries in California with people who like do smoke just because it's an interesting experience for me, especially like being from Mississippi where weed is so illegal. And they literally have like weed bath bombs. Like, and I'm like, that would terrify me. Like, I'm sorry. I'm like kind of scared of weed, honestly. And the thought of putting a weed bath bomb in my bath would give me an anxiety attack. You know, this one was just strictly CBD. Mm. But yeah, I don't think I'm going to fuck around with that either. Yeah. So anyways, that just is the reason why this is a little bit late, but we're happy to be back with you guys rocking. We have a good interview today. You know what? We're doing the best we can. Yeah. This is what we got this week. So is everyone. (laughs) keep getting through guys and like if you need to go to the tanning bed like a couple times like do it for your mental health i literally might have to start going back to the bronzing bed just to get some uv because it is it's dark no i've heard that doctors are prescribing like tanning bed hours to fight seasonal depression so i don't want to hear shit about what tanning how tanning beds are bad for you because guess what's also bad for me being depressed Okay, so my birthday is coming up in two weeks, and Mario has planned a trip. I know where it is. Mom told me. Oh my god, mom told you? Yeah, she was like it. Yeah, she was. I said, "Where's Ali's birthday trip?" She goes, "Are you gonna tell her?" And I was like, "No." And she goes, "Okay, they're going to like blah blah." blah. And I was like, "I knew I'd get it out of you. I knew it would take. It took two seconds." Oh my god. So am I gonna like it on a scale from one to ten? Ten being like, oh my god, you're gonna love love it. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, the only stipulations I gave him were I would like to be somewhere warm and sunny. Like I just want to lay in the sun. I want to turn 30 tan and hot, like physically hot, but also, you know, hot both ways. But I really just want to be sweating. Yeah. I can't believe you're going to be 30. That's crazy. It is. It's pretty wild. Um, I'm excited (laughs) about 30, but as it gets closer, I'm like, oh my God, like, I can't believe it. I won't be in my twenties ever again. Yeah, like I thought about turning 25 yesterday and hyperventilated. So I'm really excited. Thank for you, you for the support. Thank <laughs> you for that. Oh my God. Honestly, 30s, I feel like are such a, are going to be a great era for me. Like I've already started my business. I, my skin has never looked better. You know, I feel like we're in a good place. Yeah, I do think 30s is like the new 20s because in your 20s, you spend a lot of time just like figuring shit out. Like you're broke a good bit of it or most of it. You like don't really know what's going on. You like are still kind of in college mindset for the first half. And so I feel like 30 is like really solid. Like 40, yeah, Mm -hmm. horrifying. 30, (laughs) we're good. We're good. We're coasting into it. I don't know. Like look at Gwyneth Paltrow and like JLo. They're hot as fuck and they're like 50. Yeah, but they're also rich as fuck. So they have like access to all the tools to be like beautiful. Okay, wait. So speaking of starting my own business, we had a big week last week. You started, you launched your sweatshirts. I launched Mm -hmm. Wildflower. We've been making moves. No wonder we're tired. Yeah. If you guys didn't listen to last week's episode, it was kind of a low listened episode because it was Halloween week. So I know a lot of people were busy. I mean, Halloween weekend like almost took me the fuck out. Like having Halloween weekend and then Halloween on a Tuesday like should also be a crime. But we put out last week's episode. We talked about our new businesses. And if you guys want to hear more about that, listen to last week's episode. It's so funny. I've already had two people reach out to me about a job. Literally. No, the Go Call Your Sister gang, we're hustlers. Like we are hustlers. If you guys didn't see, we're also hiring an intern. So we put that in our bio today um, because like your girls need some help. Like it's, it's, we're busy. We're booked and busy. So yeah, last week was a big week. Um, I got back from Hawaii on Sunday. Wait, wait, wait. Just- tell, tell the people 
what went down. <laughs> okay, guys, I have some like because serious. Because it is truly so bizarre. I, I have some serious tea to spill with you guys. And like, I didn't know what social media platform to put this on. And I thought about it hard. And I feel like the podcast is the only place I can share this story because it is crazy as fuck. So I was in Hawaii, obviously had an amazing time. But the la- my last day in Hawaii, I get a video sent to me by my friend who literally should be on payroll from the FBI. Like this girl knows everything that's always going on at all times. I get a video and it's far away and it says on the caption, is this your ex-boyfriend? Zoom in. Lo and behold, my ex-boyfriend is trotting around the beach in Hawaii on my last day while I'm there. And I'm like, holy shit, what is he doing here? And um, flash like flash forward to the night, but I was kind of like, whatever, like it's my last day. I probably won't see him. Flash forward to the night. I go to a surf party um, where a lot of my friends are like being honored for being surfers in Oahu. He's there, guys. I literally, I told the girls, I'm like, we're going to go scope it out. We're going to look around. I asked my friends who were like, have you seen like blah, blah here? They were like, no. And I get to the bar, order a beer right in time for me to turn my head and see him in my peripheral vision. And it was like the craziest shit that's happened to me like lately, honestly. That isn't, I'm just, I have so many thoughts about that, but that doesn't just happen. Like you were in your place, like you broadcast it on every channel that you're on, but you were in Hawaii. So yeah. he knew that you were there. He yeah. made the choice to come there. And it's your former workplace. Like, of course, yeah. if you're having a party, like, why would you not be there? It yeah, shouldn't the, be a shock. Exactly. The party was at the coffee shop that I used to work at, also where we met, which is an added level of pain. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, I thought about it before. I was like, there was a chance that he could like show up here, but it's also like my place. Like, those are my people my old like people I worked with. So I was like, I don't, I shouldn't like live in fear, but also like, we got a, a strong coast clear before we walked in. And um, yeah, it was just so bizarre. It's like, you think about those scenarios in your head, especially when you're like fresh out of the breakup, like I'm going to walk in the bar and he's going to be there. Yeah. Maybe in San Diego where we both live, but not in Hawaii. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like literally crossing oceans to get to you. It's just rude, honestly, because we've talked about how far you've made it on your healing journey and I do agree that sometimes people heal. I mean, I know that people heal on different timelines. Like you might be healing now. He might've been pushing it down and he's just like now starting out, but you have to respect the other person's healing journey. Yeah, totally. And like, I'm the kind of person that's hard for me to set a boundary. Like for me to set a hard boundary of like, don't contact me. Like it's better if we don't speak. That is really difficult. So like to cross it in the way of not only like contact me, but showing up in person is just really disrespectful in my opinion. And I think it took me a while to like fig- to realize that because in the moment, like I was kind of drinking, I was like really in shock. And the next day I was like, wait, that is so wrong for so many reasons. And yeah, like you said, like everyone heals differently, but I'm really proud of myself because I feel like I am at the place where like this could happen and I'm still okay. Because about a month or two ago, that would have made me take like 20 steps backwards. Honestly, I'm proud of you for just putting up a boundary and sticking to it because me too. that has taken a long time to get to that place. I know, me too. Like I'm just, it's, I've been for really me, proud. I, have like two, I probably have too many boundaries. Like the wall is real thick, but yours is like barely there. <laughs> my wall for a while was like paper mache. Like my wall <laughs> was like one of those little hipster curtains at the yoga studio. Like it wasn't there really. I'm like, I'm like Fort Knox and you're like, Think about like the parachute when you're little and you play the game in PE and you throw the parachute <laughs> over your head and everyone sits on it. 
that's my wall, legit. Um, so that was like a crazy end to my trip in Hawaii. And honestly, it kind of like made me ready to go. So like, that was so bizarre. Like I want to get back to my little place. But other than that, like I made it through, I talked about it really in depth with my therapist yesterday. And this is when you know that something's crazy when your therapist like takes a minute to reply. Like when I told her the story, (laughs) she was at a loss of words. Wow. So what did she come back with when she recovered? She was like, that is not okay. I was like, yeah, Kim, I know. Like, it's not okay. And she just was kind of like reiterating how I thought. But at first I like wasn't anxious about it, but I had the fear that I like would become anxious about it, like on the flight or something home. But she kind of helped me solidify the thought that like, maybe I really am just like super moved on and I'm in a good place. So my brain processed it like faster than I felt like it would. Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of you. I feel like that shows, you know, how much growth you've made and all the strides that you've made to this point. And yeah, if you see him in San Diego, like you've already, you've already run into him so you can rip that bandaid off. You know what I mean? You don't have to like fear it. Yeah, totally. Um, but yeah, other than that, made it back safe and sound. I've loved getting it back in my routine. Super happy back in San Diego, doing all the things that I love to do, focusing more on my businesses and just having like a really positive attitude. Like leaving Hawaii is hard for me, but when I leave, I always feel like my cup is like super full and like I'm really, really recharged to like hit the ground running. So yeah, just kind of living in like a high vibe of like really like loving gratitude, like vibe. Like lately I've been like just randomly crying all the time because I feel like super loved and grateful. Like I'll just be in the car and I'm like, (laughs) I feel so loved. And it's just been like a combination. I think of like our Bali trip, my sweatshirts launching, like being in Hawaii, coming back here. I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I'm cruising on a high vibe. I love that. I can relate to just that feeling of getting back into a routine that feels really good and like comfy. That's kind of what I've been doing this past week is just kind of setting is just setting up that routine that I want, getting back into my morning practices. I've been working on at Pevolve. I ended up joining. Um, I know you're a fan of the one in San Diego. So it's nice to just get back into that routine and just kind of feel at ease. Yeah, totally. I completely agree with that. So nice to be back in your routine. And speaking of being a little out of whack, you took this week's interview solo, which I'm really appreciative of. And I'm so excited to listen to it because I still haven't heard it yet. Yeah. So two things to say before we get into the interview. The first is I did realize last night while I was editing the episode that my microphone did not connect for the interview. I bet daylight savings time turned it off. Yeah. I'm blaming that. Let's go with that. It's a little bit hard to listen to. I know. And I'm sorry. It's super frustrating on my end as well, but really get through it because it's such a good episode with Claire Agnes Alt and David Oates. They are the co-founders of the app Curtsy, which is one that we love and we've honestly been following from the beginning. Yeah, Curtsy is like one of the first times I ever did like something influencery. And I was like, wait, could this be my job? Because I love it. Like I did a photo shoot with them in college. I worked with them a little bit, um, did like some, sp- they're like one of the first people to ever like do sponsor posts with me, which was such an honor. And We've just been a part of the journey, I feel like, since the beginning, and I'm so proud of them. Curtsy started out as like a rental service on campus. So girls would put up their like date party dresses, Halloween costumes, people would rent them. And now it's basically evolved into like a huge online thrift store. And it's so much easier to navigate than like Poshmark, Depop. It's so user-friendly. Actually, the girls in Hawaii, I walked in the other day and Sophia was taking pictures in her room. And I was like, what are you doing? She said, I'm putting a bunch of stuff on Curtsy. She's made like four or five grand this year on Curtsy. 
And I told her we had the interview and she was like, oh my gosh, you know them? And I was like, yeah. That's an amazing little side hustle. I love that. It's so timely with the interview. And yeah, I mean, Bird is like the thrifting queen. And I just have always hated apps like Poshmark. Like it's so hard to navigate. It's super clunky user experience. But Curtsy is so simple, so easy. And you can find a lot of great stuff on there. Like brand new Lululemon for like $30. Mm -hmm. It's honestly really amazing. And my favorite part, um, because you know I like to edit, is the clear out feature where you can clear out your closet and auction off a bag of clothes in seven days to the highest bidder. So it makes it so easy to clean out your closet and just get rid of stuff that no longer serves you. Yeah. Like I said, the Go Call Your Sister gang, we're hustlers. This is a great side hustle. We, We talk about side hustles all the time. Curtsy's amazing and we truly cannot recommend it enough. What's even more amazing is that not only did we have David and Claire Agnes on the show, we have officially partnered with Curtsy and you can use our code SISTERS, all caps, for $10 off your first order. It's side hustle season. Get out there, download Curtsy. We are going to make some money this fall as we go into the holidays. And without further ado, we're so excited to welcome Claire Agnes and David to Go Call Your Sister. Um, Claire Agnes and David, I am so excited to have both of you on. I have been a longtime fan and follower of you guys and Curtsy, and so it's just an honor to be able to chat with you all today. Yes, we're so pumped to be here. Yeah. David, are you freaking out? I am freaking out. I, I listen. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Claire Agnes gives me shit, but I love, I've listened to you guys like since you launched the podcast like a year ago. I think it's, I don't, I truthfully don't listen to like every minute of every episode, but I at least in, listen to the intro like most weeks, just because I think you guys are so funny. First of all, giving you no shit, I just think it's hysterical. He'll be, he makes these like really elaborate salads every day with like 20 different ingredients. <laughs> I mean, they're beautiful, but it takes him like an hour to make lunch that every day. That is so false. It no. takes, like, takes like five minutes. <laughs> it takes a long time. And so he'll always listen to the intro and he's like in the kitchen calling out, I'm like, I'm like, did you hear Star Cars in Hawaii? Yeah, he goes, wait, guys, Allie's moving back to Nashville. <laughs> so funny. Which for me, oh my gosh, like, of course we knew each other and we're friends in college. We didn't, you know, before. I guess you working on your new business. We haven't caught up that much, but I know a lot about your life. <laughs> well, basically, like when so when Turkey first started, we uh, worked with Star Car on campus at Ole Miss. Like she and I. When I was living in Oxford, we did a photo shoot, uh, like randomly one day. And so I feel like ever since that photo shoot, I've like kept up with her and followed her on social media. So I like totally saw the podcast. I think I probably told you about the podcast. I think you did. Yeah. yeah. So I, I love it. I love every time Christy comes on, like you need to make her like a regular guest. I'm obsessed with those episodes. So oh well, David, that means so much. Thank you. I'm just like made my entire week. So I appreciate yeah. it. Um, we are actually trying to get Christy back on. Her schedule is just insane. She is such a little busybody, but we're trying to get her back on because she is so good. And we've had lots of requests for Christy. I love that. No, yeah. I love getting all of the updates. It's, it is definitely something about the two of y'all. I don't know. It feels like you are catching up with y'all. Like, I feel like, I don't know. Yeah. There's, yeah. Parasocial relationships. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I was saying. I was asking David, I was like, what about Sarkar? How have you remembered this seemingly to him random high schooler that we did a photo shoot with, what, eight years ago? Yeah. Because he has no super connection to Ole Miss. No. I think I just think you guys are so funny. Like it's the sisterly vibe, you know? I also think Sarkar for sure in high school, I mean, she was she had her jewelry business. 
yeah, she's always been like super interesting to follow. I feel like she's had like so many different um, little like entrepreneurial endeavors. Yes, and- yes. Which being at the Ole Miss oh, Business yeah. School this last week, or you know, listening to all everyone and their businesses that they've created, I was talking with somebody who is a junior in high school, and I think she's—I don't know if she's taking home, but maybe she's making over one hundred fifty thousand yeah. a year in revenue from a marketing agency she started, and she just turned twenty-one four days ago. I love that. I love that. We always talk about too, like not ever being afraid to just try something because we both have done so many different things and launched different things. And I think that that is like such a good um, quality about people is just like not being afraid to just go for it and just do it. And like, clearly you guys have that as well with curtsy. I hope we have it. I think that also is probably what's so interesting about y'all and listening to you is you do try crazy things like you know, moving to LA and switching up your whole life and then Nashville, New York and all over and Sarkar's in Hawaii and start, you know, I saw she just launched sweatshirts. So I think that also is probably what is so intriguing about listening. Oh, what's going to, what are they doing this yeah, week? Yeah, the adventures of uh, the Bridger sisters. Yeah. Sure. I know. Uh, we really are catching up with each other when we do these intros because we, we don't get the chance to talk, especially with the time difference sometimes. It's just a little difficult. So I'm glad that it comes through and I'm so happy to hear that uh, you love it and it's just so fun. And um, okay, so to kick things off, tell me a little bit about you guys, you know, your background, where you're from, and what led you to starting Curtsy. Awesome. You want me to kick it off? Yeah. yeah. Take it away. So Clara, Agnes, and I uh, met in high school, probably like economics class, uh, probably. sophomore year or something. We're probably trying to do homework together or something. <laughs> and failing. Yeah. So David, um, you're, from, you're from Jackson too. Charlotte. Uh, yeah. I'm Charlotte. Charlotte. Okay. Why was I thinking that? Okay. You're from Charlotte. You're both from Charlotte. Got it. I actually, my whole family's from Jackson, so I have yeah. connections there. So maybe that's what you Maybe that's why. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So Claire, so our, the, the four curtsy founders are William, uh, who's Claire Agnes's brother, Claire Agnes, David, and then Eli, our other friend that they met at Old Miss. But um, I actually met William in high school before Clags because if, I, if you hear me say Clags, that's our nickname for Claire Agnes. Um, we, we love a nickname around here. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agnes has lots of nicknames. Uh, my favorite of which is Kaka. Oh, gosh. That we might have. Uh, <laughs> my nickname through, uh, I think, early middle school. And then we took a Spanish class. And it's actually um, S-H-I-T in Spanish. So. Yeah, I remember when I first called you that, uh, like, four five years ago. And you were like, oh, my God, I haven't heard that since middle school. Yeah, because it's it yeah. So I switched to class. But yeah, we yeah. knew each other in high school, but you were actually friends with William. Yeah. So William and I were the two kids at our high school that did the morning announcements like TV broadcast. Um, so that's where he and I met. And he and I like immediately bonded over um, entrepreneurship. We both had like kind of competing uh, like lawn care businesses in Charlotte. Um, and I like during high school, late middle school, like got involved making websites for different businesses in Charlotte, um, which kind of led me down this path of like studying um, or just practicing, I guess, product design and the engineering side of things. Um, First of all, to explain your David in a nutshell, he, if there was a class to skip, he would skip it. (laughs) I mean, he was, it felt like never in school, but what you were doing is walking like across the street to the Barnes and Noble and teaching yourself to code. I mean, he was like, these high school classes are, they're too small for me. I don't need this. 
So I'm pretty sure at times, I mean, you regularly like got called into the school for skipping too much school. But on the side, he had like four successful businesses, a photography business, learning to code. <laughs> I, I think my um, junior year, I like my parents got called to the school and they were like, you know, your son has missed 140 periods. And it was like not even January yet. Yeah. Um, so I, I was I was definitely not into school that much. And I um ended up getting in or ended up getting in and going to Northeastern in Boston um, and lasted for a year and then ended up dropping out um, originally to like start, try to start a company, but then um, ended up starting at this company called HubSpot, which is an amazing like marketing um, automation tool, worked there for a year and then um, went back to school briefly and then dropped out again, moved to San Francisco um, which is where I was living when William gave me a call. And I guess, I guess the, the way it really happened is, and I know we're skipping a lot of over Claire Agnes' story, but um, I saw on Facebook this update. Uh, I think William had just like... Shared a Facebook yeah, sh- something. It was like uh, the Oxford... Or I shared it. Yeah, the Oxford like newspaper wrote a story about William starting this app at Ole Miss to let women rent dresses. And I just commented and I was like, William, like, this is amazing. Like, let's catch up soon. And he calls me over Thanksgiving. Um, and from his perspective, as soon as he saw that me post, he was like, oh my gosh, I have to recruit David to help us out with the design. Cause like he had engineering, he had his sister and um, Sarah Kip to help with marketing. And they had uh, like engineering, but they didn't really have, that was, was kind of like the part that was missing. Um, so yeah. That's how that went down. But basically, I mean, the idea for Curtsy originated from Kip, Sarah Kip, who you know, Allie. And she was my roommate at the time, uh, senior year in Tried Out at Ole Miss. And I think the origin of the idea was just before every home game, I mean, at Ole Miss, we always dressed up, which as of last weekend, I will say, like most students, less. way less dress up, yeah. which I'm here for. I was surprised. Really? I had- yeah. Yes. A lot of jeans and sweaters. Which I love. I had not oh. been to a game in yeah. a few years. I was looking around, I'm like, the jerseys all around, yeah. which I think our senior year, some people started wearing jerseys, but I mean, people were still in heels. I don't think I saw a single heel. People were at like flats all the way, tennis shoes, jeans, yeah. very chill. Yeah. I feel like it's that generation too. Like they're just so much more focused on comfort and they don't care about, you know, anything that's going to make them feel uncomfortable or yeah. I actually kind of love that too. Yes, I'm so here for that. I was looking around. I was a little overdressed, honestly. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. So, <laughs> but, uh. so when I was right out, though, I mean, we had access. There was now the houses are monstrous, but there was at least 70 other girls living in the house with 70 closets, which so great for every formal date party function, whatever. Just run around the house and just raid everyone's closets. We didn't buy anything all of senior year, which was awesome. So I think Kip originally saw that idea and was like, we need to make one big closet on campus. How can we just have one big closet everyone can have access to? So that was where the general idea came from. Um, There was one business plan competition that William and Kip entered and ended up winning. Yeah. Which William, for reference, also entered the business plan competition. I believe all four years he was at Ole Miss with different ideas. So anything entrepreneurial, William was just always trying to do. Yeah. And that's where Kip and William met. Um, actually, one night I called, I was with Kip and I called William to pick us up from the square. He's not a big goer outer. So goer outer, whatever you say. He didn't, he wasn't, he did not really drink. He didn't go out that much. Um, 
He was at home because working on his business plans. No, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, that's, yeah. And so that's where he and Kip met is he picked us up, dropped us back up at Tried Out. And William, I don't know if that night he heard the idea. I can't remember how it went down, but that was their connection. William's looking for a business. Kip is looking for someone to start a business with. And it was just like, okay, this is perfect. So William immediately, you know, calls Eli, who is ironically, so this is funny. Um, he is the fourth co-founder and also my husband. So surprise. Oh, we, I did not even realize that. I love that. It, yeah. Yeah. Let's jump ahead a little bit because I feel like that's a great story. Uh, he, so like basically three months into us launching Ole Miss, we get into this startup accelerator in California called Y Combinator. And we all move out. Claire Agnes, her, like you should tell this, but Claire Agnes was always like set on going to Australia post-grad. Yeah, I had a visa. I was out of here. <laughs> I had a year-long visa. I was going to go to Australia. I love to travel. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I had the IMC degree. Which, did you do IMC, Allie? Yep. Mm-hmm. It was like a marketing communications degree. Yeah, so we both have the same degree, which is really broad. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do, but... I can get this working holiday visa. I thought maybe I'll be a bartender or like a scuba diving instructor. I don't know. And then William and Clarence's mom had other ideas. Yes. So my mom, William gets accepted to this incubator out in California. So my mom called me every day saying like, Clags, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to work with your brother. Um, Backstory, I've always worked with my brother. He hired me for all of the other companies he ever built, which was a lot. I was working for him since I was like seven. (laughs) So she was just jazzed about William moving out to California and was like, you, every day she called me. She's like, Australia will always be there. This opportunity won't. So anyway, we all move out to California and uh, we're like, it's absolutely Silicon Valley. Like we have three bedrooms, uh, two bath, like two bathrooms that we're all sharing. Somebody's living in our garage. Um, we're all working out of the dining room. And yeah, two to a bedroom. Our bedroom, bedroom was so small. Um, I had to have bunk, bunk beds. beds because two <laughs> two twin beds wouldn't fit like side by side. It was really crowded, so we we had a bunk bed. <laughs> yeah, they. Uh, so anyway, like five months maybe into us all being in California, um, Claire Agnes. Like I think the first sign was Claire Agnes stopped showing up to our like we, we would like wake up really early and like read every morning. Yeah, and she was all of a sudden like not showing up to book club and like you know it, it wasn't it wasn't that I even picked up on anything. Like I had no suspicions, but basically she had to like come out to the house as like she and Eli have been kind of dating secretly. And like- It did not go well. Yes, it did. You were shocked. I was shocked, but I I was, it's kind of like if you're, it would be like this person that you've been with every second of every day. I mean, the mountain, like we were living in this place called Mountain View, Silicon Valley. Um, We did everything together. We would wake up, go exercise together. We would do like- workouts after work. I mean, there's not much to do except for work and work out in Mountain View. Yeah. But uh, like, as soon as she told me, she was like, yeah, you like, she, she was like, if I was dating somebody and you didn't like him, like, would you tell me? And I was like, yeah, of course I would tell you. She was like, well, what would you say if I was dating, dating Eli? Um, and I was like, oh, that'd be so funny. Like, oh, well, <laughs> and then and you're like, well, I am. So that's <laughs> the fourth co-founder, my husband. Yeah. Accidentally. We we yeah, it's like, it's like Monica and Chandler, RIP, but I love that story. I know. No. Oh, sad. Yeah. That, and then William. Yeah, it is exactly like that. It's very sad. People used to always we used say to joke, like, it was friends. We used to joke, uh, like, what's going to survive longer? <laughs> like, curtsy or Clags and Eli? I mean, it really did like make me nervous a lot in the early days. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? Rightfully so. 
Everyone yeah. says don't mix business with like family, friends, Who pleasure. Says that? So many people. Really? I feel like Ali. I mean, is that the advice you get? I feel like everyone says that. She started a podcast with her sister. <laughs> Well, I do want to dive into that a little bit more because what is it like working with one, your brother, and two, your husband? <laughs> That's a lot of dynamics. It is a lot of dynamics, and I'll say it's more difficult. Who do you think it's more difficult for me to work with? We uh, know. William. Yes, my brother. <laughs> mm. I, and difficult is being and a- not, not because of William, by the way. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, yeah, so the dynamic of working with Eli is really easy because we have been working together for eight years and we've been together for seven, seven and a half. So I think we've actually never been together when we haven't been working together. Yeah. So I don't know, that dynamic works really well. Eli and I work well together. I think the reason why you and William don't work well together is because you're just used to, from the moment you were born, like picking on your brother. It's not even picking. I just think, yeah, it might be picking. It yeah. was like, it was like, it's just like, it's like <laughs> William is her, William is her brother, right? Like she doesn't, it's kind of like the, the, like, I guess, uh, what is the word? Like not respect, but like the kind of like, um, yeah, like deference, I guess you would give somebody else if you're like, I mean, I remember the story in the early days where okay, Clags, well, that was rare. Clags like Clags needed to borrow William's car and we were all living in Mountain View and she like, I, I mean, I didn't, re- I hadn't even really seen them, you know, interact in a professional setting yet. We, it was like week three, I don't know, of working together. Keep and in mind, I'm 21 years old. Yeah. She barges into the office and she's like, William, give me your keys. Um, give me your keys. And I was like, oh my gosh, whoa, this is crazy. Like, William's like, okay. William's like, okay, here, Clax, like, where, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? I think with siblings though, but I do think here's something that I, people always say, don't work with friends or family, you know, don't mix business with pleasure. Um, And I very much disagree with that. I think Curtsy would not be around today at all if it wasn't, if the four of us didn't already have a very solid foundation. There is no more open, honest, transparent feedback than the feedback you give to a sibling. I mean, there is no, and William and I, I think, siblings are different, but should be very clear. William and I have utmost respect for each other. That is true. We very much respect each other. Um, and we don't, we don't like squabble really in the yeah. office. Sometimes he'll leave his oat mobile out a thousand times in the sink. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm done. But I mean, we don't, Eli and I very much are very, people have worked with us in the office for months and never known that we were together. And I like it that way. Oh, it's wow. very. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They started in secret. So like, and also, I don't want that to ever affect our work, yeah. you know? Um, mm. You would definitely know that William and I are siblings pretty soon, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I do think, yeah, I do think that is, you know, people always say startups fail for what, two reasons? Like, you run out of money or founder breakup. Yeah, co-founder breakup. Yes. Mm. And I think we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen recently. Yeah. Why see the company or the startup accelerator that I was mentioning that we got into, Y Combinator, they... Um, they won't accept you if, or sorry, they'll accept you, but it's a kind of, um, it's not recommended that you apply as a solo person. So like, it's, it's like really, really, really hard to start a company by yourself. It's like a, they, they say like, it's a negative indicator of success. Um, because like, it's, I think a lot of people starting out, they don't realize how long of a journey and hard it's going to be. Like a lot of times 
a company goes public and it seems like this overnight success, but really like it's a decade in the making. And in that, you know, in the last eight years that we've been working together, we've had so many roller coasters and um, highs and lows. We've pivoted our business multiple times. Um, and, you know, the benefit of having not one, but four co-founders is that if one of us is losing our shit, well, we've got three other people to like help, you know, get us back up and, um, and pump us up. So it definitely makes a huge difference having that support. Yeah. And to have people that you are so comfortable with. I mean, I know, obviously, I'm sure there's a lot of behind the scenes of this podcast where y'all try to do an intro and you cut it and you're like, Sarkar, that is not it. What is wrong? Where's your energy? You know? Oh, and the amount of intros that we've started and just had to completely stop and come back to another day because we were so pissed at each other. I can't even tell you how many. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that is a it's comfortable normal. space. We're yeah. here to say that that is normal. <laughs> A question for you, though, is, yeah, how is it, is it different than you thought working with, I mean, and working with being a loose term, but you are working with so hard. Yeah, Yeah, no, totally. I mean, we work together every week on this. And I think it is, it's really hard working with a sibling, but also it's kind of a double-edged sword being so comfortable with someone. Like, you know, it's easy, but it also makes it really hard. And especially because Bird and I are very similar in ways, but also extremely different in the way that we work. Like I am very structured, type A. She is clearly not. Um, I've tried to do spreadsheets and all these things that just do not work with her. And like, we just have to find common ground to be like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. This is how I respond to these things because we also don't respond the same to, to the same in the same way to different things. And um, yeah, so it's really interesting to see. But I think that after a certain amount of time of working together, you can really start to recognize like, okay, this is she's going to respond well to this or she's not going to respond well to me coming out or this way. And you just kind of pick up on it as you go. Yeah. I mean, it takes, and it takes truly all like both personalities. Like I think um, all of us have very different, you know, there, there's nobody here that's stepping on each other's toes. Cause we all have like very complementary skill sets and personalities. Um, that's true. We're so, we're all so different. And I feel like you and you and, um, Starcar really complement each other really well. Yeah, I think that also oh, yeah. that makes it fun and interesting. Is y'all y'all's divergent personality? I mean, they are very <laughs> right. different takes on yeah, right. yeah, yeah, right. It can be you know complimentary, like you said, but also it can be frustrating at times. So you have to figure out a way to make it work and kind of reframe in your mind. But um, yeah, it's yeah. it's a funny dynamic working with a sibling for sure. Totally. I definitely like it. And I, I think people, and I guess it totally depends on your sibling dynamic, right? I mm-hmm. mean, I know people who are not close with their siblings, so maybe don't recommend that. But I also think people do ask, like, how is it working with William in such a sense that they mm-hmm. think it's, I don't know what they think it would be like. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But I think as long as the respect is there, yeah. then everything else falls after. And you can have meaningful, constructive feedback and arguments maybe that aren't, you know, yeah. hurtful or anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. And I don't know if this is how you guys are together, but our rebound time is so fast. Like we can be bickering about something and then like an hour later, we're totally fine. And you don't oh, get yeah. that with, you know, just someone else that you work with that you're not related to. So that is a perk I think of working with a sibling. It is. And I think that's why we, we a little bit have turned into siblings in the sense that I think we will bicker about something and then, you know, yeah, there's, there's not there's not much bickering with William because he is he's, he's so been calm. described as a human lazy river. Yes, like he will just sit there and take whatever you're like whatever you're, and so you almost like kind of feel bad when you're even like getting a little heated with him. 
Um, but you and I can duke it out. Like we can yeah. for sure duke it out, but we, we never, but you shovel it right back to me. You know, it's kind of a both, and it's and not, not in a mean way. It's, it's never just in a, a mean way. It's always just like, it's always clearly coming from such a good place of like, we're after the same thing, we're but totally at the same thing. And we always do like immediately quote unquote rebound. Yeah. Rebound implies that we ever got to a place that was bad, which I don't no, think we do, but no, yeah. but it definitely has been. Yeah. I mean, William this morning, for example, I was frustrated about something with William and I was, you know, giving him some powerful feedback, maybe a little too powerful. And David in the middle of my feedback was like, Hey, I'm sensing a lot of sibling interaction in here. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we should calm it down a little bit, take it back a few notches and think about what actual constructive feedback. I'm like, good. Okay. I can do that. <laughs> It's nice to have like a neutral third party, I'm sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, for those listeners that may have never heard of curtsy before, can you explain what it is? Absolutely. I'm wearing curtsy right now and in front of there. Um, Sure. Yeah. So um, we were mentioning earlier, it started as an app that uh, let women rent dresses, uh, specifically on the campus of Ole Miss, specifically like in the Tridell house was when, it, <laughs> was when it really started. Um, and as, as part of getting into that program in California, we launched the next semester at 10 schools, um, to let people rent, uh, rent dresses at Alabama and USC and, um, North Car- or, uh, UNC and Georgia and all the big schools in the South. And then, um, the next semester we launched like 30 schools. By that point, we were kind of starting to see that, um, schools like Ole Miss and Alabama were really perfect for the dress rental model. Everybody uh, dresses and dressing up was a huge part of those cultures. When we tried to launch the app outside of the South, like say at UCLA or Michigan even, um, it just never really had the same uh, liquidity or um, you know, uh, just runaway Honestly. growth as the South. Those schools caught up real quick. They already weren't dressing up for game days. So they already knew what was up. They didn't, they weren't trying to buy exactly. a new dress every game day. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we tried like at the end of the, that like year and a half, two years, our first two years, we started trying a number of like really big experiments to try to shake the model up. So we launched a physical retail store in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, so that people could uh, just drop their dresses off and we would handle the um, the, the complexity of the, of the renting process. We launched shipping so you could rent between schools. Um, we added a subscription model, which uh, has resulted in us going from having a lot of users at UGA to almost none. We launched it at only. So basically, we launched it at only Georgia, and it basically created our app at that school. Um, like nobody wanted to pay a subscription model. Um, but Wait, I mean, so what are we now? So yeah, the like. One of the those experiments that we did to try to shake up the model was um, we launched the ability for people to sell their dress instead of just rent, um, and that that experiment like really instantly took off. Like um, pretty much within a month, we um, decided to like the numbers were clear that we should stop the renting entirely and just move entirely to resale because it was kind of solving the same problem. Um, of rental, but just in a much easier way. And this was um, back before Poshmark. Now, if we said we started a you know buy and sell yeah. app, everyone is like, oh, there's already Poshmark. Poshmark yeah. was not huge. It was not a big thing to buy and resell clothes outside of like the thrifting, the tight thrifting community that would go do big thrift hauls. So it was kind of a definitely a newer uh, 
newer idea, newer concept. Yep. Um, and it is kind of funny thinking back to when we first started Curtsy. It was only eight-ish years ago. But the amount of pushback we got from people saying, you're going to wear other people's clothes, which I think now that's sure for some people that is still a big concern, which we have a whole section for new with tags, things that have never been worn, mm-hmm. but far less. I will say it used to be about 80% of people would say, yeah, you're going to wear something else somebody yeah. has worn. Like thr- thrifting in general has just taken off yeah. in a way that really has was not as popular back in the day. Like, yeah. Even like physical consignment stores. But so back when we were renting, um, Venmo back then, every single transaction was public. Now you can have them on private. So I would see on my personal Venmo, everybody Venmoing people that they had rented dresses to keep the dress. Yeah. Like, oh, 15 extra dollars. Thank you. So ended up doing that around the app. So we decided just to build the feature in where you could then choose to sell it. And that just quickly overtook all of the original rental business, which now in the app, if you do choose, if you want to rent rent a formal dress. Um, you buy a formal dress off of curtsy. And then whenever you're done wearing it, dry clean, whatever, you can tap one button and it just posts it right back on curtsy. So it's super yeah. easy It that we kind of stole that back from our rental days. So yeah. you could treat it like rental if you yeah. want to in that sense. Yeah. Sarah Caroline is such a thrifting queen. Um, she, she loves it and she's so good at it too. But um, I, going back to kind of all the things you guys tried, I love that you were so open to just, you know, okay, this didn't work. Let's move on. Let's find the next thing. I think that that's such a crucial thing about this. And especially like starting the, the brick and mortar and being like in an actual store and then, you know, seeing the transactions on Venmo. And it really does go to show like your business will evolve. Like it's probably not going to be the exact same thing that it started out as. Um, so I think that's really cool. And It's interesting, though, with the subscription, because I feel like it's interesting that it didn't work for you guys, because I feel like now everything is subscription. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like all these apps are like, you know, forcing like subscriptions or the way to go with everything. And sometimes it just doesn't work for people. It did not work for us. And I think the main reason it didn't work is back then, 100% of our users were college age women at universities. You had to have an EDU email address. And primarily people were using renting dresses on curtsy for like last minute events. So it's Wednesday, you're going to a formal on Friday, you're picking up the dress that day. The, the concept just didn't... It, it's essentially like a frequency of use. Like if yeah. you're, you're going to use this app exactly. for like maybe your, maybe one formal in the spring and one formal in the fall, like why do you have? A why are you paying for it monthly? <laughs> it, just, yeah. it was kind of like trying to squint, fit a like round peg in a square hole or wherever that saying is. I think um, the same, but exact opposite. The subscription was for us to try to make it a viable business and not necessarily because it's best for the customer. Whereas if you went on a Netflix and had to pay them, you know, to, well, I mean, this is an option on like Amazon, but if you had to pay them $2 per episode, that would just be so annoying um, when you're like trying to have a content binge and you're just having to pay them because you use it so much. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show the importance of knowing your audience and knowing the people that you're selling to, because if it doesn't work for them, then it's not going to work for you. Yeah. And we definitely spent, I mean, years trying to figure out the exact model. We're still, you know, upgrading, changing curtsy every week. We add new features, we change things, we take things out. So I think it's just ever revolving. And it was interesting. The number one question I feel like we got asked, we went to Ole Miss last week to speak to um, the entrepreneurship club Mm -hmm. and there's probably 450 students. And I feel like the number one question students asked was, 
about how do we get uh, an app basically developed. I'm not engineering. How do I get an app developed or mm -hmm. what's that process like? Can I just hire it out to a third party? We got asked that so many times mm -hmm. and it might be your only option, but we've always said it's not recommended to just hire it out third party because it's going to be changing daily. Every other, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of people view um, the they, they view like, okay, I'm starting a business and I need to have somebody build my app. What they're failing, they're thinking about this it as like a temporary need and not like an ongoing permanent part of their core competency. Um, like even a year or two years into Curtsy, we were on our like eighth revision of some of these major features in the app, like checkout version eight. Like um, it's so rarely it's so rarely going to be the thing that you launch on day one that's going to take you, you know, to your IPO uh, five years later. So um, it's really important that you find somebody or, or even learn the skills to like build whatever product that you're working on um, so that you can iterate on it quickly. Okay, well, let's talk about funding. So I know that's a big piece of it. How did you guys get funding? What was that process like? Um, because I think a lot of people who start businesses, like that's a really scary mountain to climb. So if you guys could speak to that a little bit, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I could I could talk a little bit more about Y Combinator too. So Y Combinator is this amazing pro uh, program for early stage startups. Um, it was started by this guy named Paul Graham, who um, it, it really started as like, he was getting dinner with um, founders that were starting companies. And um, he basically started uh, funding some of the ones that he was working. I don't I really remember the exact story. William told it the other day, but yeah, he did. it started he as like a dinner series. Yeah, he would invite a bunch of people over to, to his house for dinner who were interested in starting companies and then quickly realized the conversations that they were having about their businesses over dinner were super impactful. And we're helping it, them all. Exactly. One founder had the same problem, all of them in a room discussing it. They had different businesses and different ways to tackle it, but that was super um, helpful for them. And so we right. started having these dinners weekly. And then he basically built a program, around a that. program, which is kind of like a summer camp for startups. It really you know, is. Where yeah. It's like they give you a hundred and back in the day, it was $120,000 in exchange for 7% of your company. Now and it's like 500. Yeah. Now 000. it's like a lot of money. Um, but it's, it's still the same basic model where every Tuesday you have a, a dinner and a little, we call it like group office hours where you'll meet with like uh, four to five other startups. And then your group partner, who's usually like a entrepreneur who has done this before and is really helpful. Um, and then the program is kind of setting you up for this demo day at the end of the summer where you'll then pitch to investors. Um, all the, all the companies that are in Y Combinator are pitched to investors. So if you're, if you're starting out, um, and you are, I mean, I think it's particularly suited for technology startups that are, um, you know, thinking about, thinking about their ambitions in the sense of like hundreds of millions to even billions of dollars evaluation. So really big ideas or, um, or software platforms, less like smaller businesses or lifestyle businesses. But if you're going if you're going like, if you're thinking big, like YC is a great way to kind of catapult you um, into getting that next round of funding. But for everybody or anybody who's interested in starting a company that might, they're not looking to start a $3 billion company or right. what have you, um, you could take the William Alt approach, which was William, his entire, his entire life really, but especially four years at Ole Miss, 
every single but every person who knew him knew he is interested in starting a company right his senior year superlative of high school which we went to a large high school there's probably a thousand kids in his grade and 20 people get superlatives he got most likely to create the next iphone app yeah. which that definitely dates us that was back in like 2010 or something 2011. Sure. um there's a reason he got that because he was the kid talking about it, talking about ideas, eating it up. He's the most curious person I know in the best way possible. He asks, if there is a question to be asked, he asks it. He was the little two-year-old asking, why is the sky blue? Over yeah. and over to my mom. And she's like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> and so all of college, anybody who would listen, anybody he could connect with or talk with, he's just picking their brain on what are they doing? How are they doing it? What's their major? So by the time senior year comes around and he's, he actually has an idea, he's got a whole playbook of people who are interested, who are in the entrepreneur world, who are yeah. engineers like Eli. Um, to give you a quick 10-second story on Eli, William and Eli were graduating. This is the day before- You guys are a CTO, by the way. Yes, and co-founder, my husband. Eli runs into William. He has his cap and gown in his hand. He had just picked it up. And they're graduating on this. This is a Friday. They're graduating on Saturday. And Eli is moving to Memphis to work as an engineer at FedEx on Monday. He's got his apartment for the year. He's accepted his job the previous summer with that internship. And William says, hey, man, remember, they had been ta in talks for four years about different company ideas. So William says, hey, man, remember this dress idea I was talking to you about? What do you think about not going to school or not going to FedEx on Monday and trying to do this with me? Eli immediately said, okay, that sounds great. Let me call FedEx. William didn't have a dollar to his name. Eli had to call the university, uh, Ole Miss, um, their computer science program, had to call them on the phone because the applications for grad school were closed. Beg them, hey, can I come to grad school? I don't have any money. Also, can I be a TA? Arranges this all within a 48-hour period goes from working at FedEx on Monday to trying to start a company with William. And this is all because William had a relationship with him, knew that they were interested in this. And so once Chrissy came around, William had, I don't know how many people, people like David that he could call on that knew this is the type of person William is interested in, you yeah. know, and he shared, he shared his idea also. Mm -hmm. I think that's another thing we see a lot of people who are young and interested in starting companies is they keep the idea a secret I think you're going to steal it. Yeah. I think out of people might be concerned that you're going to steal their idea. There's different reasons for secrecy. If you're like waiting to get started, you know, you do you. But it, I think for people who are keeping it a secret out of fear that somebody's going to steal your idea, I personally believe that's the wrong approach mm -hmm. because it doesn't let people help you. Yeah. yeah. People can't help you. And so William was screaming loud and proud, this dress rental yeah. app idea. There's like a, there's like a quote, if you want uh, money, or if you want advice, ask for money. And if you want money, ask for advice. And William, I yeah. think, did a great job of that. Like People just really wanted to help him in the early days. So literally, his initial funding came from, one, his bank account from all... I mean, it wasn't massive, but for a college student, I didn't have money. Um, from all the other little businesses he'd been going on in college, DJing and whatever else he was doing. Two, all of the people who he had already pitched this idea to and was talking to. One of them was like a dental office. I just found this out. Yeah. Like maybe it was his dentist. Yeah. His dentist in Oxford put in like, I don't know, 5K, 10K to this idea because William's getting his dental work done, you know, and talking yeah. about it. So that's where the initial funding came from, literally just from the Oxford community of people who William's blabbing to about this idea. And so I yeah. think that's the number one advice to anybody who's really young and doesn't know where to start is, 
Start talking. Start talking to people. Yeah. And then also, uh, I think too, William was doing stuff. So like he had, he wasn't just talking about this idea. Like he had recruited Eli and they successfully got this app into the app store um, without like before they raised a dime. And um, that like William getting that app in the app store was a huge accomplishment. And it allowed like Oxford newspaper to write about him. And um, that signals to investors that like, hey, we're serious. Like we we are putting our money where our mouth is, you know, like we did this work. You're you're kind of just trying to like get rid of any uncertainty, any doubt in their mind that you're going to be like massively successful. And so taking the first step and actually like doing something in the direction is a great way to like, you know, um, inspire confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Like launching, basically everyone says your MVP, like your minimal viable product with curtsy. Maybe our MVP wasn't the app, but I could have started an Instagram account posting people's dresses saying, this is for rent, you know, yep. comment if you want to rent it. And if that showed some level of activity and interest and people were using that, even though it was a terrible experience yeah. through Instagram, then more people would be interested. Oh, maybe we could. Then you could take that story and tell investors like, Hey, with the $5,000, I'm going to, um, take this Instagram, which had like 500 followers. And I'm going to, that's where my initial community is going to come from. And then we're going to go from there. Yeah. You know, going back to that about not talking about your idea. So I, I launched a beauty booking company a long time ago. Like, I guess it was four or five years ago now. And William was actually very, very helpful in that whole process. We talked on the phone. I've never actually met him in person, but, um, you know, I th I think just talking about it also like holds you accountable and like speaking it into existence. Like, hey, I'm doing this thing. And when you keep it so tight and in, it's like no one's there to kind of follow up and say, how's it going or encourage you or support you. I think it's so important to talk about it. Absolutely. And that is, that's also what I think is cool about seeing the the young students who were in the business plan competition is it reminds me of, you know, and, and we did IMC together, you know, marketing and journalism and communications, and we had to play pretend and create all these fake business ideas. But the business plan competition is kind of like fake ideas that they've turned real. And they're, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so it's it's real life. It's not pretend. And so it's forced them to talk about it and, and present to a bunch of different people and get insights and yeah. do test groups. So it's, it goes, it goes back to this misconception that your idea is the thing that is valuable. And it's like, it's just, it's just simply not like it will take you 10 years to get this thing off the ground. Um, and so I think a lot of people it way I think, overvalue well, the it idea. Depends. It depends. That's like more of a general, general statement. Yeah. It depends what type of business you're doing. I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's, I think that's damn near universal advice for most people, like, sure, if you're on your third, like, biomedical patent, like, maybe keep that next one on the down low. But like, for no, most I people, meant 10 years, it's not going to take 10 years for a lot of businesses to get off the ground. I think for like, oh, yeah. that's what I was but I mean, I think I mean, I think they're so even like a small like, local Valley. business could eat could still take like five years to get off the ground or like a restaurant. I mean, it, I think the the um, Clax's point is very valid. But I think always people underestimate like how long it's going to take and how much work it'll be to get mm -hmm. something get to get to something that works. And um, what seems what seems like an overnight success really had a lot more to it. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think that also goes to sharing your idea. I think people who are maybe frightened that other people are going to steal it. Um, ideas are not easily stolen, right? Like you've got to, yeah, the devil. Yeah. It's all execution. Well, not everyone's a doer too. It's like, you can talk about your idea all day long, but who's, who's going to be the one to take action and actually like do it. Um, Absolutely. Yeah.
And I think too, like, don't be afraid to talk about something because like, even if it doesn't work out, so what? Maybe it's just one thing that led to another thing. And I think that yeah. that keeps people from sharing their ideas and talking about them and making connections. And I wanted to touch on that a little bit. Like, what advice would you give for someone that has a really great idea or something they're really excited about, but they're a little, they're too afraid to actually do it. They let that fear creep up. Take the first step. I mean, I think a lot of people, a lot of young entrepreneurs, they get really bogged down with um, playing house and doing the things, doing everything, but actually making the idea happen and talking to customers and building the product. They go get an LLC and they make their perfect logo and they get their perfect domain and they um, do all that. And they haven't actually started the, the product yet or like gotten a customer yet. Um, really nothing, nothing matters in the early days, except just getting, you know, one person, literally one person to, for us, that was, uh, our, our friend, Ruthie, Ruth, you know, Ruth Allison. <laughs> yep. She was the first, I saw her this last weekend and I, I don't know if she knew she was the first person ever to rent a dress on curtsy, which she rented it from Aaron Lee, but still, yeah, <laughs> she was the first person. And I was talking to her this weekend. I ran into her in the Grove and she had no idea she was the first person, but yeah. Finding that, yeah, I think, so yeah, you can continue with your No, advice, that's taking the first step, yeah. Um, I think that's so interesting. That is a feeling that I don't have necessarily, I guess, fear of getting getting started, but I think that is valid that a lot of people do have that. And I guess it is fear of failure. And I think that also is another reason why y'all's podcast is so interesting and fun is you and Sarkar both share your failures openly and talk mm -hmm. about them. And you're like, tried this last week, LOL, huh, that didn't work, <laughs> you know, but here's what I'm doing next. And yeah, I think it's so inspirational and it, it, it makes you feel like, oh, I can do the same thing. So I think, um, move in the direction of fear. <laughs> exactly. I think honestly, if you're somebody who is really scared of rejection, then that's been one of the greatest things is, um, William, and I feel like we've brought up William so much. Yeah, we'll, the next time we're on, we'll bring <laughs> I know. Um, he is somebody, he's never actually even heard a rejection in his life, yet he gets rejected no. like a hundred times a week. I mean, he has the most crazy. He, I would say all of us are really like, yeah, all of us are. I mean, this might just be from trying to start the company, but we really are like seem to not be phased by asking for things. And no. And some of my friends, for sure, some of the things I do, I'm not that outrageous, but some of the things I ask for, even if at a restaurant, you know, I made the reservation for five people show up with 12, what's going to happen. They might say no, but I could also come up with different ideas where we can finagle. That's a small example of it. Yeah. I have plenty of friends that'll say like, Oh, well we only made it for five. I'm like, what let's ask, you know? So I think for some people, if fear is the game, it's probably rejection worried about rejection of your idea of how it sounds to other people, worried about rejection of people literally saying no. Um, I think if you were one of those people that's scared of it, you should do, what is it called? Like immersion therapy of rejection, honestly. Exposure therapy. Exposure therapy, <laughs> immersion therapy. I think realizing that, okay, it's not actually that bad. And also realizing so much, say a hundred percent of the time you're feared of, you have uh, fear of rejection you're only going to be rejected like 20% of the time. Yeah. So I think, um, not immersion therapy, what is it? <laughs> Exposure therapy. <laughs> Exposure therapy. Write in your journal. Journal like, all right, I need to do five things this week that I might be rejected that make me a little bit scared. Yeah. But I mean, I think the thing that's, the, the fear is really coming from, it's like, it's it seems like such this large nebulous thing to start a company. And it's like, just simplify it down. Like you're trying yeah. to get one person to sign on to your idea, like, or buy your product or whatever. 
Um, and, you know, I think just momentum is so real. Like remember in high school when we sat down to write the paper and it was a seemingly impossible task, but then once we have a first draft, it's so much easier to then revise it and get it to a place that's, um, that's, that's good. And so it's just like taking the first step, like you're going to get the momentum. It's way easier to like, um, to go once you're building on something that already exists. So just like get something out there and like launch it. Yeah. Whatever else I'm laughing. Mm -hmm. You said high school. Most of us wrote a lot of papers in college. If you did go to college. Yeah, sure. <laughs> like high school. I mean, a lot since then. But um, yeah, oh my I, gosh. I think like in marketing, I work a lot in marketing with Curtsy and I can be prone to, and I feel like Allie, maybe you're semi this way too, because you are more of a perfectionist. I'm definitely, I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, but I love to write a list of all the things I need to do. So sometimes I can get bogged down in the list of things that I need to do to try it's to like, get everything organized. And David's like, square one, what's the, the minimal viable thing that you need to do today to get this idea to the finish line. And I'm like trying to craft the whole thing. It's like, okay, yeah. let's not put the car before the horse. Oh, yeah. It's just taking that first step. Like you said, I think when I was launching Wildflower, it's like, you know, I wanted to have all these clients immediately off the bat and do all these things and plan out my Instagram feed for the next six months. And I'm like, no, like just post about it and move on and just keep going. And I think that that is so hard for people. And I think too, with fear, it's like, you worry a lot about what other people will think, you know, if you fail or if you launch something and people, you know, don't like it or whatever it is. People think about you a lot less than you think they do. And the people that are talking about you are the ones sitting at home, not doing anything or trying anything. Yeah, Amen. absolutely. Yeah, I definitely, I mean, 100%, I think. So for you, question for you, what has, I know you've just been starting this, but, um, for the, has the process already been harder than expected or has, has it kind of like fit into the mold of what you thought it would be getting this this company up and running? No, I think it's been kind of what I thought it would be. I tend to overcomplicate things in my head, like planning out the Instagram feed for six months or whatever that is. And it's like, why? Like, let me just do the first post or like, let me just reach out to the first potential client or let me just, you know, talk about it with this person or um, it's just taking, like you said, taking that first step and really simplifying it. And yeah, I think that, you know, starting this company, I really wanted to go in very intentionally um, because I have worked for companies that are amazing and that I've loved, but there have also been things that I didn't necessarily love about them. And so really going into it with like, how do I want this to feel? Like, what do I want to feel in my day to day of doing this? What do I want to feel when I'm talking to a client? What do I want clients to feel like when they're talking to me and really starting it out from a place of intentionality. Um, so it was really, it's, it's been a slow start, but it's been purposeful. Um, you know, I feel like I could have immediately jumped into this and just taken that do, 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 go, go, go. Like I normally would, but I've purposely just kind of like eased myself into it, which I think has been really good for me. Yeah, yeah, especially also you've had just a little going on with a few cross country moves going on. <laughs> I have had a lot happening, um, but it's it's all good. It's all part of the experience. <laughs> yeah, you, you've also I think you also too have um, like you're you're doing the same in a way you're doing the same things that you've been learning over the last like I don't know how many years since your college, but eight years or so for other clients at. Um, at your former jobs. And so it's like, you have everything, like you have all the skills that you need. Like it's really just taking the first step. Um, whereas I think 
if you're in college, you've never started a company, oftentimes you're not only have you never started a company, but you're also like not that good at your craft. Like, no, you're just kind of an idiot all around. <laughs> um, so I think starting a company in like starting a company in your, your later 20s, early 30s, like you have the benefit of that decade. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're also a little bit, we talk a lot about like, it, there's this useful naivete when you're young of like thinking you don't quite, cause you're young, you don't like know how hard it's going to be. Um, and so you just like start working on it. Whereas when you're 30, you're like, uh, it's kind of a stupid idea. Like it, it needs to be above a certain bar, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to see all of the, the business ideas and what people are working on. We're going to post a question box to just see. And I love the challenge, Claire Agnes, that you said of, you know, starting, trying five things that might you might fail at or that you might be rejected from this week. So I'm interested to see what our listeners come up with. And um, before we wrap up, where can people find Curtsy? Where can they connect with you guys? How do they download? How do they sign up? Tell us all the info. Yeah. yeah, we have, um, we're most active, I guess, on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok, but Instagram is just at curtsy, C-U-R-T-S-Y. Yep. Sometimes I get those backwards, but <laughs> um, yeah, so at curtsy on our Instagram and you can find us. We do have a website, but we primarily work. I, I think the best experience is the iOS app. Yep. So the app store, you can type in curtsy and we are right there. I think yeah. that's probably the best way to find us. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and taking the time out of your day. I know you traveled yesterday, you've had back-to-back meetings, so I really appreciate it. And it's such a full circle moment for us because like you said, we go way back with Curtsy. You know, Bird was posting about it in high school and I actually did a blog post for Curtsy, I think like the year after I graduated from Ole Miss. So it's just really funny to see how long it's been. And um, we're, we're really proud of you guys and just what you have built and we're just continued continuing to be amazed by you guys and what you do. So thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Well, we are so excited. I mean, I know David will be um, listening as soon as the episode comes out, listening in the kitchen as he does <laughs> every day. No, yeah, I know, here. David, I need, I need your salad recipes. Oh my gosh. Yes. They, they are so good. They are, they're <laughs> top notch. They're chef level. I mean, oh my gosh. Phenomenal. So delicious. You absolutely do. No, no, no. I, um, if you go check out the curtsy TikTok, I did like a day in the life video uh, oh, yeah. last week. And I, as part of the day in life, I showed the, the salad. It turned into a cooking channel for a minute. Yeah. Um, so check it out. I know this was so fun. Yeah. Such, such a, such a pleasure chatting with you. And, um, I know we're, we're also very proud of you guys. Um, and huge fans of, of you and Sarkar. So Absolutely. this is amazing. Yeah. That hasn't been evident throughout the whole, the whole, uh, call, but yeah, it's awesome to finally get to chat with you, I guess, in a, a little bit of a longer form way. This was so yeah. fun and I can't wait to see Waterflower and everything Sarkar has going on and the pod for sure. Yeah. I feel like y'all are popping off. I agree. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you guys so much. And um, we'll talk soon. Yeah, that sounds great. Bye.